It's the Veterans Radio Hour. Brought to you by Dallas Corporation for all your corporate printing needs. And by GIM Productions, creating internet solutions. Websites can do that. Now, stay tuned. The Veterans Radio Hour is next on the Veterans Radio Network. Tango Charlie Bravo, you're a go for the Veterans Hour. Welcome, one and all, to the Veterans Radio Hour. It's our tribute to all of those who served our great nation's armed forces, past and present, and their tremendous accounts of heroic duty and bravery. With your host, Brigadier General Dave Grange. And now, coming to you live from our Veterans Center studio, here is General Dave. Good evening. This is Ranger Doug. Tonight, we're going to present a program that was originally recorded in January of 2003. The subject is the Rangers. In other words, the American Ranger and what they've done. The story is significant because rangering has been a feature of American history for centuries, and it derives from the British Ranging Service. The first rangers were developed by early settlements in the New World, and their purpose was to meet friendly native tribes and move out from the settlements to discourage other tribes from attacking. This resulted in a number of wars in which rangers were featured, but the rangers that we know the best from early times were headed by a gentleman named Robert Rogers, who was at the time, of course, a subject of the British crown, as anyone was who lived in the United States. And he successfully raised and led a force of rangers during the French and Indian War. The exploits of that outfit are actually described in the movie Northwest Passage, which appears as a link on our page. Interestingly enough, George Washington was known to have been a member of a company of rangers from his settlement area early in his life and may have actually come to the knowledge of General Braddock, who Washington accompanied on a fateful mission during the French and Indian War, but where he got most of his battle experience from would be those exploits. Moving to the American Revolution, we know names like Francis Marion, Dan Morgan, and others who had ranger-like outfits that operated in today's special operations mode, actually, specially trained people operating from secret bases, maintaining speed, surprise, security, and violence of action. Moving then into the American Civil War, obviously there were several who became known as rangers. Mosby, of course, called his force the rangers, a gentleman by the name of Gordon, and others who had ranging elements, but they then lay dormant until World War II when under the guidance of a lieutenant colonel named William Orlando Darby, the first of the four ranger battalions were formed, then a fifth and then a sixth. Those six ranger battalions then participated in World War II, five of them in Europe, one through five, and the sixth in the Philippines, where it actually participated in an amazing rescue of uh, prisoners at the Cabanatuan prisoner of war camp in the Philippines. Into the Korean War, then, there were several ranger elements that were deployed. One of the gentlemen from one of those ranger units is on the program tonight, Ralph Puckett. And although a lieutenant during that time, it's interesting to note that just this year, he has been awarded the Medal of Honor for actions he performed in the Korean War. Moving then into Vietnam and beyond, the United States developed an actual ranger school and people could become ranger qualified, generally infantry officers that became Ranger qualified through about eight weeks of an arduous course that orients on small unit leadership. And as you know, we recently have had females graduate from that school as well. So now there are male and female Rangers, and there is at least one commander in a Ranger unit now who is female. The Rangers then have established themselves as a real bastion of security, having sprung anew in 1974 when they were formed up originally with the 1st Battalion at Fort Stewart, Georgia, under K.C. Luer, a lieutenant colonel at the time rose to major general, and the 2nd Ranger Battalion formed out in Fort Lewis, Washington, under a lieutenant colonel named Bo Baker, who was a special forces officer as well as a ranger. Those two battalions stood by themselves until 1984, when then-colonel, now-retired General Wayne Downing, formed the regimental headquarters and oversaw the formation of the 3rd Ranger Battalion. So now we have three Ranger Battalions, and moving into the future, everyone has watched them operate during the global war on terror. And probably everyone remembers the assaults in Grenada in October of 1983 and in Panama in December of 
1989, where the Rangers, now airborne, made actual airborne assaults to seize airfields and do other amazing tasks. Those of us that are Rangers are very proud of those activities. And the interesting thing about Rangers, when you listen to the depiction of Rogers' rules, they still apply today. One note about General Downing. Fine man, stature of Washington, not necessarily the same size, but the brains, the actual perseverance, the physical fitness, and the, and the ultimate leadership capability that just radiated from him was amazing. A fine gentleman, deceased in 2007, but had been serving as the Deputy National Security Advisor to National Security Advisor Condoleezza Rice. His main job was counter-terror, and he cut a wide swath through American defense policy and through the global war on terror. So as you listen to the program tonight, General Downing was the third colonel of the regiment. General Grange was the seventh colonel of the regiment. Colonel Darby was the first colonel of the regiment. Also depicted during the program, the 5307th Composite Unit, that also known as Merrill's Marauders, founded by Colonel, but then later Brigadier General Frank Merrill, went on to terrorize the Japanese across uh, Malaya and uh, the China-Burma-India theater as they mapped the Burma Road and ultimately defeated the Japanese. So let's listen to the program. And as always, we at the Veterans Radio Hour 2.0 want to wish you the best for the holidays. We have on the telephone with us Phil Piazza, a veteran of Merrill's Marauders, Burma, and he's the president of the Merrill's Marauders Association. We're going to have General Retired Wayne Downing, the third colonel of the Ranger Regiment, commander of Joint Special Operations Command and later Special Operations Command of all the armed services. Ranger Bob Wages from down in Georgia, now a manager of a carpet company. Jim Grimshaw, president of the United States Army Ranger Association. Ralph Puckett, Ranger, company commander of the 8th Ranger Company in Korea. And in our live audience tonight, Kenny, we have a, a squad of Rangers with us, I believe. Who are they? We sure do. We've got Steve Sakes with us. He's from the 5th Ranger Battalion, World War II. Our good friend Hank Zeke Zakowski, 2nd Ranger Battalion, World War II. Don McCormick, he's the 3rd Battalion, Company D in World War II. And of course, Harold LaCasse, he's back with us, 2nd Ranger Battalion. We're glad you're all with us. And Dave, we'll keep moving on with some of these good guests. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be a great show and a lot of Rangers out there listening with us, either on the radio or on the uh, internet. And uh, we're going to honor Rangers, which is quite appropriate. They're in uh, combat areas today as we speak, our training for combat. And the dedication tonight, Dave? The dedication tonight, uh, obviously, Kenny, is to a ranger. And we're going to dedicate the show tonight to General William Darby. He's the first colonel of the Ranger Regiment. In other words, the leader of the modern-day ranger. He was the founder and the driving spirit of Darby's Rangers, which is the World War II Ranger Battalions, a legendary combat leader. Ranger Darby received two Distinguished Service Crosses, three Purple Hearts during World War II. He led from the front as the organizer, leader, the principal trainer of the first three Ranger Battalions. He led his Rangers in victorious combat in Africa, Sicily, and Salerno, but ending in a bloody defeat at Cisterna in Italy. Colonel Darby later served when he was on the promotion list for Brigadier General as the assistant division commander for the 10th Mountain Division. And in that outfit, was killed by shrapnel from a German 88 in Northern Italy. Colonel Promotable Darby was promoted to Brigadier General after he died. He's the only American officer posthumously promoted to general officer rank during World War II. Here's today's military quote of the day, brought to you with support from retired Lieutenant Colonel Dan Bogievich. You know, Kenny, there's something known as the uh, Ranger Creed. And in the Ranger Creed, there's uh, six stanzas. Uh, I'm going to talk about the six stanza tonight. And it starts with, you know, the Ranger Creed goes uh, for the word Ranger, R-A-N-G-E-R, R starting the last uh, uh, stanza of that creed which says, readily will I display the intestinal fortitude required to fight on to the ranger objective and complete the mission, though I be the lone survivor. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Veterans Radio Hour with host General David Grange. My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. Like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the states with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again. 847-754-4667. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Broadcast Network for over 19 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution has been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. Here's your host, General Grange. Okay, then in tonight, uh, in the in the studio with us, I'm going to review uh, our uh, distinguished Ranger guests, and we're going to start with Ralph Gorenson. As I said earlier, Ranger retired, entered the Army in 1941, three days after Pearl Harbor. He was a company commander of C Company, the 2nd Ranger Battalion, World War II. He was the first Ranger to land in Omaha Beach. On the beach, I think he lost 23 or 21 men. And Ralph didn't get wounded himself, but his equipment that he was carrying as he was moving under fire was hit nine different times. On the phone with us, we have Phil Piazza, a great friend, president of the Merrill's Marauders Association, a legendary Ranger. He entered the Army a year before Pearl Harbor. In six months, he was promoted to first sergeant after he started training, and then he was selected for officer candidate school. En route to Africa, he was diverted to Trinidad to run a jungle mountain school. There, he volunteered and served with Merrill's Marauders in the India Burma Theater. He was a company commander of the Heavy Weapons Unit and Blue Combat Team of Merrill's Marauders Force. He was wounded in Burma later on inducted into the Ranger Hall of Fame. We also have with us Bob Wages. He was my squad leader at North Georgia College when I was a private. Currently a, a plant manager for a carpet company. Uh, went to Ranger School in 1969. First assignment was the 82nd Airborne Division in the Recondo Raider School as an instructor. Went to Vietnam right after that. Served in the 2nd of the 503rd Parachute Infantry of the 173rd Airborne Brigade. And then later served as a Ranger instructor at the Mountain Ranger Camp. Also with us, we're going to have a Jim Grimshaw, President of the United States Army Ranger Association, who enlisted in the Army in 1961 as an infantryman. Served as a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne Division, then went to officer candidate school, then an instructor as well in the Raider School. Went to Vietnam in 1965 with Special Forces. Then he helped build the MACV Recondo School in the Trang in Vietnam. He was an instructor in the Florida Ranger Camp. Back to Vietnam in 1968 and served also in the 2nd 503rd, like Wages did, the 173rd Airborne Brigade. Served as a commander in a POW MIA recovery unit. Wounded in action. In tonight's program, having been actually recorded in 2003, a number of the interviews were edited at that time in order to create an hour-long program since that was the slot we had on the radio. You will hear discussion of additional things after the program ends, perhaps, but in fact, you will listen to several interviews that seem to begin in the middle, and they've been edited because of that. 
our job was to uh, make sure that the exit at uh, Verville, the town of Verville, which is right up from the beach and had the only paved road from the beach up to the highway. And that was vital to get that open. And the 29th Division was given that job. And of course it was guarded by the most humongous pillbox I've ever seen down at the, uh, at the water's edge uh, where the beach started. Well, our job was to get in there and open up that road if something happened. Well, something did happen. Unfortunately, the 29th Division, they fanned out their first wave. The wastes were at the waterline, and they were shooting at the, uh, at the pillbox. Uh, five minutes later, on schedule, we landed, and every man in my company, and there was only 65 men, and uh, three officers and two extras, a, a uh, aid man and a radio man. They were uh, firing at the uh, pillboxes and from the water. And of course, they were, they were being just chewed up with artillery, rifle fire. Uh, we went across the beach as fast as we could and when I got there, I took one look, and there was no way in hell that you could attack that pillbox from the uh, left, from our left side. So we had an alternate plan, which was plan two, was to scale the cliff immediately. So I signaled, raised my fingers, two fingers up in the air, to Lieutenant Moody, who. Uh, waved back to me and uh, took several, two of his top men and went down the beach and uh, climbed to the cliffs, dropped some ropes and cleared an area and uh, signaled for us to come up. Well, we weren't, didn't have too many left because we had 23 dead and some wounded, but we all went up and started working on a lateral basis and got in but the back doors of the pillboxes that were garnering the beach exit to Verville. By the time uh, we got to doing that, there weren't too many of us left, but we did drive all of the enemy out. There were 89 dead in the places that we cleaned out and uh, we uh, took no prisoners that day. Well, Ralph, that, that's a tremendous story, and we're going to come back to Ralph because uh, I want to talk about the number of casualties they had, both KIA and WIA, you know, those that were wounded had to be evacuated, so what he really had left to, to do the attack and continue operations, we'll do that momentarily. I want to go to another World War II veteran. I want to go to Phil Piazza. Phil, sir, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks for joining us tonight. My pleasure. Yeah. Talked a lot about you around here tonight, Phil, with Kenny and some others. Yeah, yeah well-deserving. Uh, when you, uh, Phil, we talked a lot before when you were training down in Trinidad and then you volunteered and, and you went over with Merrill's Marauders um, with the blue team. Uh, could you relate a short story to us about uh, just what it was like to serve in a great unit like Merrill's Marauders? Well, it's something that, as far as the campaign itself is concerned, I don't think I'd want to relive it again, but I, I'm certainly happy that I went through it and survived it. It was quite an ordeal, believe me. But we expected that when we volunteered, as it was an all-volunteer unit. Did, uh, and, you, and you were wounded... Uh, I was wounded twice, yeah. Tw yeah, twice. Uh, the second time you were evacuated, weren't you? Yes, I, uh, at that time we didn't have the choppers for evacuation as they had in Vietnam. We had a group of, fly, of uh, flying sergeants that formed a liaison squadron with Piper Cubs and were able to fly in under extremely rough circumstances in, in the Himalayas to get us out. I have a great re deal of respect for these men. You know, Merrill's Marauders uh, uh, is one of the 
considered one of the ranger organizations that's in the ranger family. Yeah, we're the parent organization. Yeah, that's right. And in fact, if you look at, a, if you take the motto of the Rangers. 79 years old, just got back from doing a really special show. We also want to thank a little bit to the uh, city of Chicago and the Veterans Council, Roy Dolgus, and that other Ranger we got sitting in the audience. Our good friend, the guy who helps us out all the time, Colonel Tom Rendall. And now we're out for a break. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Broadcast Network for over 19 years. High quality printing services and warehouse distribution has been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. My father was the, the best truck driver I've known in my life like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the states with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. Hey, you're listening to the Veterans Radio Hour. You can hear us every Sunday evening at this time, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, uh, on the Talk Radio Network, as well as right here on the Internet. Uh, I think we have really a, a wonderful show going on here tonight with people such as Ralph Gorenson and Phil Piazza, Ralph Puckett and Bob Wages, with... Uh, uh, with um, uh, Jim uh, Grimshaw and uh, General Downing to uh, to be uh, interviewed on the next segment of, of the show. And as I was just sitting here listening to the interviews, I was just so moved uh, at hearing these very dramatic and so such meaningful stories uh, told by the people who actually experienced them. And uh, I think that this is an, an example of what really great radio is made of. And we're so honored to, to have these distinguished and wonderful people with us here at the Veterans Radio Hour uh, this Sunday evening. I wanted to uh, mention that if uh, you are in the Chicago area any Sunday evening at this time, you're welcome to come by uh, and be in our studio audience here at Veterans Radio Center. We're located in Downers Grove. The address is 4340 Cross Street, and we invite you to come by and uh, sit in our studio audience, and I can assure you that you'll find it to be a very uh, worthwhile experience. I wanted to mention some of the people who are behind the scenes here at the Veterans Radio Hour that help uh, to make the show possible each week. Carl King is our engineer and production director. Kenny DeCamp is the senior producer and he works closely with General Dave each week to uh, produce these programs. Uh, um, Lambert Matias, Lamb Jam, is our studio manager. Joe Seguski handles our calls. Uh, and um, Mark Eli is the webmaster and chatmaster. I'm Fred Cutchins, your internet host. Uh, we urge you also to uh, uh, send us an email or uh, have a look at the chat room on the internet. Your feedback, your comments, your your uh, thoughts on uh, uh, what we're doing here is very important to us, and we would love to hear from you. If you'd like to uh, give us a call, I'll give you our our toll-free number, and you can call in during the uh, program at 866-928-2329. If we can, we'll get you on the air. If your uh, question is uh, is one that uh, uh, we can include in the program, we will certainly do it. Uh, our business office phone number is 800-521-0020. That's 
0020. So let us know what you think and tell us what ideas you, you have and what your comments and thoughts are about uh, the Veterans Radio Hour. This is our 18th program. Uh, this evening's program is dedicated to Rangers. We have some distinguished guests in our audience, and in our, in our studio, I should say, as well as in our audience. And uh, thank you for listening. Stay with us, and we'll be back on the air in just a few moments. Hour now returns to full readiness on the TRN Talk Radio Network. The Veterans Hour proudly presents our military hero story of valor. Okay, the hero for this show is Ranger Louis Millette, Colonel Retired United States Army. It was February 1951 in Somni, Korea. As a company commander, he led his unit in a bayonet charge up a fire-swept hill. In the charge, Captain Millett bayoneted three enemy soldiers and continued throwing grenades and clubbing and bayoneting the enemy as he went while urging his men forward. The enemy finally died or fled under the spirited infantry attack. Captain Millett was wounded in a charge. The enemy hill contained 200-plus Chinese and North Koreans. Of the 47 enemy dead, 30 of them died of bayonet wounds, and that was only on a forward slope of the hill. On a reverse slope, another 50-plus enemy died by the bayonet or gunshot wounds. Ranger Millett received the Congressional Medal of Honor. The Veterans Radio Hour salutes the Active Service Person of the Week, made possible through the support of Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer. As they say, PBR me, ASAP. Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer, available at your local retail outlet. The active service member this week that we're going to honor is Staff Sergeant Tim Feeker, member of the 112th Special Operations Signal Battalion. He's a combo team chief serving in Afghanistan, deployed from Fort Bragg, North Carolina, to provide global communication support for special operating forces in the theater. Staff Sergeant Thicker's unit has just departed Afghanistan, being replaced by the 86th Signal Battalion out of Fort Huachuca, Arizona. The Veterans Radio Center salutes you, Staff Sergeant Thinker. You're listening to the Veterans Hour with retired Brigadier General Dave Grange. And now, back to the broadcast. Okay, as a reminder, the guest tonight, the Ranger guest tonight in studio is uh, Company Commander, retired 2nd Ranger Battalion, Ralph Gorenson. On the telephone, we have Phil Piazza, the, the uh, President of the Merrill's Marauders Association, General Wayne Downing, the 3rd Colonel of the Regiment, Bob Wages, Ranger Instructor Retired, Jim Grimshaw, President of the United States Army Ranger Association, Colonel Retired Ralph Puckett, uh, 8th Ranger Company Commander, and a lot of Rangers in our audience tonight. And I think we have Jim Grimshaw on, a, on the line. Jim, are you there, sir? Yes, I am. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing fine, and uh, thanks for joining the rest of the Rangers and the show honoring Rangers tonight at Veterans Radio Hour. Um, uh, you know, you remember from your uh, time as an instructor and a ranger leader, uh, there's something known that I like to share with the audience called Rogers Standing Orders. There's 19 of these orders, they're really 19 rules or uh, procedures that all rangers will follow. They were written uh, uh, with Rogers Rangers Force uh, in 1759, and they still pretty much apply today. I'm going to read two of them, and then I'm going to ask you to comment on them, if you would, Jim. Okay. Uh, the first one is, it's standing order number three. When you're in the march, act the way you would if you were sneaking up on a deer. See the enemy first. And the other one I'd like to share with you is number four. Tell the truth about what you see and what you do. There is an army depending on us for correct information. You can lie all you please when you tell other folks about the rangers, but don't ever lie to a ranger or an officer. So how important is the ranger's standing orders uh, still today, Jim? Well, they, they, they're still very important. And I, and I, I might say that in, in my time in the early 60s, that was, that was essentially uh, our creed to, to go by. It was before the, this modern-day ranger creed was written. And, uh, but there's, you know, the, the whole business about integrity and honor, don't lie to another ranger especially. Uh, that's, that's just also very important, I think, not only in what we do in Rangers, but also what we do in everyday life. 
Right. And, you know, we're not really saying that rangers should lie to other people. It's really kind of a disinformation thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> but you always uh, tell it like it is, exactly what you see to fellow rangers. And actually, these rules still follow today and, and uh, reviewed in ranger school, reviewed in a ranger regiment, uh, are followed by rangers. And they, uh, they're basic skills that save, save people's lives. Jim, uh, you're the president of the ranger... Uh, Association. Can you just explain to the audience a little bit of what that's about? Okay, well, the U.S. Army Ranger Association is chartered to be an association for all uh, rangers of all eras and units. Uh, so we, we cover the whole spectrum. Uh, and and we, we have about, uh, oh, just a little under 900 members in our organization right now. Uh, and we're on, a, we're on a big, massive recruiting drive all the time, quite frankly. Uh, to get people in. Uh, our current board of directors right now, we're, most of us are Vietnam veterans, but we have uh, Ranger Tom Herring, who was one of the original members of the 5th Ranger Battalion, who went in uh, on the beaches of Normandy. And we have a 5th Ranger Battalion vet here tonight. Right. And, and Jim, uh, all those that are in here tonight that are Rangers will be members of, of the organization. Uh, uh, just about all of them are, I believe. Uh, well, if they're uh, not, they will be. They will be. <laughs> Roger that. I hope so. Yeah, and I'm just, now I'm talking big time here. I hope I, I'm up on my dues. I'll check as soon as I get home. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be right here. <laughs> all right, yeah, but I'm a proud member of that organization. It's a great one. And, uh, and Jim, uh, we're going to get back to you in, 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 in just a moment. Um, you know, the Ranger, uh, when the Ranger battalions started again, I think it was 73, 74, I'm trying to remember, I think it was 1973. What happened was uh, Gen the Chief of Staff of the Army then was General Creighton Abrams. And, uh, and he wrote a charter for the, for the uh, reactivation of getting the Rangers back in the Army. Because I'll tell you, the Army without Rangers uh, would be in a hurt. Uh, it's not that uh, Rangers is uh, one soldier is more important than another, but they get additional training, and they're and they're trained to do certain things, and and, and conduct certain missions uh, that other units don't receive. And uh, this is what Creighton Abrams said uh, in the fall of 1973, uh, when the first Ranger Battalion, that was Kenny Lore, when they started the first battalion, first bat, Savannah, Georgia. Uh, Fort Stewart, George, at the time when it started. He said, this is what the Chief of Staff of the Army said, the battalion is to be an elite, light, and the most proficient infantry battalion in the world. A battalion that can do things with its hands and weapons better than anyone. The battalion will contain no hoodlums or brigands. And if the battalion is formed with such persons, it will be disbanded. Wherever the battalion goes, it must be apparent that it is the best. And I can assure you, everybody fell in line and uh, with that guidance immediately. Now, uh, 10 years later, and we're going to talk to General Downing hopefully here in a, in a couple minutes. 10 years later, around 19, uh, I think it was 84, I may be off a little bit, he can correct me. But anyway, the next Chief of Staff of the Army, General John Wickham, said the Ranger Regiment, this is when the regiment formed and you had several battalions under a regimental headquarters. It was very similar to Darby uh, when he had uh, the first and uh, uh, third and the fourth. And he said that the Ranger Regiment will draw its members from the entire Army. After service in the regiment, return these men to the line units of the Army with the Ranger philosophy and standards. And it goes on and on. But the idea was there is to, is to get these guys, these Rangers, back out to the rest of the Army so they could share the standards, the standards, the high standards of the Ranger Regiment. We'll be right back. You're listening to Veterans Radio Hour with host General David Grange. Here's your host, General Grange. And now I believe, I think we have General Downing. Sir, are you there? Yeah, Dave, I'm on. Okay, great. Now, General Downing's the third colonel of the regiment. Now, what that means is in modern-day Rangers, the first colonel was Colonel Darby. 
Number two was, uh, was uh, Merrill, from Merrill's Marauders, Colonel Merrill. And then the, the next guy, after World War II was over, when I started the regiment again, a regimental size unit was, was General Wayne Downing, Colonel Downing at the time, who was the third colonel. And what I'd like to ask General Downing to share with the audience is, uh, first of all, I know he was on a high when he got orders to be, be the commander of the Ranger Regiment. I know that feeling quite well. Uh, but uh, what it meant to then get this going again and, and what was expected of him and his troopers. Sir, can you share that with us? Yeah, sure, Dave. I I, uh, I came to uh, command the regiment from the 1st Armored Division. I, I was over in Germany, brigade commander of the 3rd Brigade. And uh, when I left the 2nd Ranger Battalion as the commander in August of 79, uh, I really thought I'd uh, seen the last of my uh, Black Beret. And uh, so when I got the, the call from General Cavazos, who was then the uh, Force Con commander, asked me if I'd be interested in activating the regiment and a third ranger battalion of course i was just absolutely ecstatic and I well and, and then after that and now they continue i think sir they're on uh, i had the honor to be the seventh and i believe they're on number 11 now i'm, I'm trying to think of joe votel I, th I think he may be no, 11. On number 12. 12 okay number joe, 12 now joe's number 12. yeah and and you know that's not a whole lot um because again they went through the span of time where where uh rangers uh uh, they didn't have that, that size. You know, in Vietnam, we had LERP companies, long-range patrol companies, and uh, company-sized units that worked in uh, around six-man six man, uh, teams or sometimes smaller, sometimes larger, depending on the mission. But uh, that's when they really got the, the, the regiment came together with the, all the battalions, and then they could actually do more for the Army. And, uh, and one thing about the Rangers, like I said earlier in the show, Rangers make a good soldier better. There's no doubt about it. Now, uh, uh, is, uh, is Phil Piazza still with us? Uh, well, General Downing's on. Phil, are you still with us? I sure am. Yeah, now, Phil knows General Downing very well, and, and Phil was down at uh, Fort Benning uh, when we did the um, 50th anniversary, where we brought all the Ranger units together. and. Uh, it was just a tremendous experience, and and Phil, uh, you know, what did that mean to you when you when you when we finally everybody came together and really the camaraderie was just tremendous. I thought uh, from the work you guys did. Oh, it's unbelievable to have everybody together like that. It was the highlight of my life, to be honest with you. And uh, and Phil uh, representing the Merrill's Marauders, a big planner in that. Uh, we had many of the former commanders of the regiment at different times come down. Uh, it was it was just a it was a tremendous experience to honor the Rangers and uh, and just and again continue on on with the the brotherhood of the Rangers from the other people that uh, from Ralph Puckett and General Downing, and Bob Wages, uh, Jim Grimshaw, and the rest of them. And uh, and like Jim Grimshaw said earlier in the show, with the Ranger. Uh, Association, uh, keeping this thing going um, for the United States Army and and for and, and and for the veterans. It's just a wonderful a wonderful thing. Uh, General Downing, the uh, from what I'm hearing, the I mean the Rangers are quite busy now. The reputation is still as great as it ever was. Yeah, Phil, without a doubt. I mean, uh, Dave, without a doubt. And, and by the way, when I got the chance, uh, Phil Piazza, long distance hi to you. Hi, <laughs> Happy New Year. Yeah. You know, Dave, one of the things that always struck me about the Rangers, you know, every time I left and then came back with them, was that the Rangers never take a step backward. They never seem to go back. They always get better. And uh, the thing that's always struck me is how much better the Rangers are today from when I was with them, Dave, and even when you were with them as the 7th Colonel of the Regiment. Oh, I agree. And, I, and, and what I really see is this, this emphasis on discipline, this emphasis on standards, has just uh, have, has an organization which produces leaders, officer leaders, but especially NCO leaders, that are absolutely just the best in the world. I used to marvel at how we could take a young man at 18, 19 years old and in about two and a half, three years, produce a, a non-commissioned officer with the professionalism of a man who'd been in for 10 or 15 years. 
and uh, you know, I'd be interested in hearing the you know the rest of the Rangers yeah, that and, I and, talk about. That. And we're going to do that, sir. If you can hang with us, we got to take a quick break. Sure. You're listening to the Veterans Hour on the Talk 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 Radio Network. You're listening to the Veterans Radio Hour, uh, broadcast over the Talk Radio Network as well as right here on the Internet. We're on the air every Sunday evening at this time, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I, I have to say, I think we have a really great show going uh, this evening here, the program uh, being dedicated to the Rangers. Uh, we have in the studio some very distinguished uh, former Rangers, and we have on the uh, uh, on a telephone hookup uh, contact with other uh, very distinguished guests uh, and it's just such a great show, and I have to say on a personal note, I'm so thrilled to be able to meet uh, some of these uh, people whose experiences and whose exploits I have read about, uh, and, but to actually have the, uh, the experience of m meeting and speaking with them is something that I'll never forget. We urge you to uh, uh, stay in touch with us uh, either on the internet in the chat room or you can call us here if you have a question. If you'd like to try to get on the air here this evening, call 866-928-2329. That's 866-928-2329. Or if you'd like to reach our business office, the phone number there is 800-521-0020. That's 800 521 uh, We do have a live studio audience here every week, and if you'd like to be a part of our audience, please drop by. The door is open at around 8.30 Sunday evening. Uh, tickets are not necessary, uh, and I'm sure that if you do uh, stop by, I think you'll find it to be a very enjoyable experience and very worth worthwhile to come and spend some time with us here and uh, for you also to have the opportunity of meeting uh, General Dave, our distinguished host, as well as, uh, as, our, as our guests. So come on by. We're located at uh, 4340 Cross Street in Downers Grove, Illinois. And uh, say we're here every Sunday evening, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time for the Veterans Radio Hour. We'll be returning to the uh, program momentarily. Thank you for listening. The Veterans Hour now returns to full readiness on the TRM Talk Radio Network. And now, with the update on military news from around the world, here's General Dave reporting. Okay, just real quick, a little news update. Uh, AMVETS is now officially called American Veterans. That was brought up the other day by historian John Botar from the McCormick Tribune Foundation, my organization. But what's key about the American veterans, uh, they have an initiative going on right now. It's called the Medal of Honor Grove at Freedom's Foundation, Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. And it's a unique woodland memorial to the men and women whose sacrifices have been above and beyond the call of duty. A one-acre plot is dedicated to each state, as well as Puerto Rico and the District of Columbia. To date, 25 states have placed a granite or marble monument on their plots. I, I don't understand why the others have not, but uh, we'll get on them. Anyway, over the years, the area has deteriorated and is in need of a facelift. The American veterans ask each department from each state to improve their representative plot by donating dollars for the improvements that are necessary. You can make a difference in your state's acre of honor. You're tuned to the Veterans Radio Hour with retired General Dave Grange, coming to you from the Veterans Center Studio. And now, back to the show. Okay, uh, General Downing in the second segment gave me a great lead-in for the uh, third segment. I want to go back to Ralph Gorenson, Company Commander, Charlie Company, 2nd Ranger Battalion, Omaha Beach. Now, he talked in the first segment about 23 KIA. He also had a lot of wounded that had to be evacuated, and those that didn't want to be evacuated, he left it up to them, to those rangers, and they continued the mission onto the ranger objective. And uh, I want to turn back to Ralph and, and ask him about the size of his unit, what he ended up fighting with that day and for the next couple of days before he went on through Europe and got his replacements and continued to fight. Ralph? Well, as I said before, uh, we had two plans before we even landed. One plan was to 
go through the right up the highway if it was available and clear the city city there where they would expect the tanks and everything to, to take off and go up to Point to Ho. The second objective or uh, plan was to get across the beach as fast as you could and then when you got across the beach we would decide on which plan we would use and that we would decide it on plan two which would send the first platoon which was on the right straight up the cliff drop some toggle ropes for the rest of us to to make it and uh, then we got into their trench system. We came in the back door, and they were surprised. Now, and when you got up there, that back door that you talked about in the back of the trenches, back of the bunkers, uh, in the first segment, how many troopers did you have left? About 25. About 25. So really, out of your size of your of Company C was 65? 65 and three officers. 65. And I lost one officer. Up so 68 Rangers. And uh, you ended up with 20 on the top of the bluffs. Yes. And then when when did you get re, re, uh, replacements in? Uh, we started to get them a couple days later. Okay, so you and, continue those two days with just 20 men. Yes. 20 men. So truly a truly a tough fight, Second Ranger Battalion. Now, something about the the World War II Ranger Battalions, something about Merrill's Marauders, what they did is establish a legacy that all rangers, and this is what General Downing was talking about earlier, that all rangers live by today. And it's their duty. It is their duty to make it better, to be better, but to use that legacy as a standard, as the pride to carry forth. And that's what's tremendous about these other associations in this ranger brotherhood. Now, we only have a few minutes left on the show tonight. And I'd like to go to a few of our guests. I'm going to go to uh, Phil Piazza first. And if he could just give a few parting words Phil, in honor of the American Ranger. Thank you, Tim. You know, uh, the young, we're forgetting one thing, the young Rangers today that are doing the terrific job that they're doing overseas right now, we, we are so proud of them, believe me. We're proud also of you, Dave, Wayne, Colonel Puckett, and a lot of the Rangers don't realize that if it wasn't for you three people initially, and you've never gotten credit for this, we wouldn't have that beautiful memorial at Fort Benning, the Ranger Memorial that we have today. Thank you. You're here. I've heard that. Uh, well, thanks, Phil. And thanks for, for talk, giving your uh, words on the Rangers. I'm going to go to Robert Wages now up in north, north Georgia area, up in the mountains. Robert, uh, some parting words on America's Ranger? Well, I think Rangers are the greatest people alive, and no matter where you go in civilian life or military life, there'll be leaders. There'll be people that'll get the job done that you can count on, regardless of the circumstances. Okay, and I'm going to go to Ralph Puckett. Uh, Ralph Puckett, same question, sir. Ralph, some parting words for uh, Rangers? The day that I became a Ranger was the proudest day of my military career, and being the honorary colonel of the 75th Ranger Regiment today is continues that pride. It is great every day I have the opportunity to live and walk with true heroes. America is fortunate to have the young men that we have in our Rangers today. I'll tell you, oh, Ralph Puckett, he's down there at Fort Benning and he gets fired up every day because he's at Fort Benning with those Rangers. Now I'm going to give the last words to wrap it up on America's Rangers. We've got one minute left to General Wayne Downing. Sir? Yeah, thanks, Dave. Well, you know, certainly being a American Ranger has been the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. Uh, it truly is a brotherhood. Uh, I think all of us uh, would rather lay down our lives uh, than, uh, you know, disgrace our regiment or to fail our our comrades, our fellow Rangers. And, and, and I see that spirit, uh, Dave, and all my fellow Rangers, just as strong today as it was 30 years ago, and probably even 50 or 60 years ago. So. It's just a wonderful thing. I'm, I'm glad we've been able to do what we've done, but it's been a labor of love, I think, for all of us. Well, sir, thanks. Thank you. And thanks, Phil Piazza and Bob Wages and Jim Grimshaw and Ralph Puckett and Ralph Gorenson uh, for being with us tonight. And just remember, the first stands are recognizing that I volunteered as a ranger. Fully knowing the hazards of my chosen profession, I will always endeavor to uphold the prestige, honor, and highest breed of corps 
of my Ranger Regiment. Who on? Thank you very much. Kenny? Okay. Remain on the line with us there, gentlemen, if you would. We're going to continue our internet stream. We're cutting off of the airwaves in about 10 seconds. But if you can and stick with us for a few minutes, we're going to continue this via this web. Yeah, I don't know how long our guests can stay. If you, When you have to pull pitch... And no problem, go ahead. What we do is we continue on for another 10 to 15 minutes because there's a lot of people on the Internet. I don't know how many countries you have tonight. Last week we had, I think, 55 countries uh, on the Internet. A lot of them are GIs overseas or, or veterans that are now contractors working overseas, uh, supporting uh, military operations, actually, a lot of them, or training other armies, whatever. And, uh, and so we get a lot of questions on the Internet or people want to ask questions. So uh, just hang with us if you can a little bit. If you have to leave, we understand. Okay, Kenny, what do we got? There's uh, some people talking about Rangers needing light-tracked armor vehicles nowadays. This is an interesting question that's been around a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, mobility for Rangers. Uh, Colonel Darby uh, toyed around with it a little bit. Remember the old four-deuce mortar issue with him? Uh, there's some other work. There's some Rangers have some vehicles today, as you know. Uh, I was talking to Ralph uh, Gorenson, uh, the second battalion veteran that's in the studio with us tonight he, he didn't you mention about uh linking up with a uh a cavalry unit or who'd you link up with ralph in, in germany oh in germany we linked up with a uh recon uh, mounted recon armored recon and you work with the, with that unit for a while or oh yes about two weeks three weeks before the war ended we went to czechoslovakia but we were many times 50 miles beyond the, the front line. In front of the front line. In front of the front line. With the armored cavalry. With the unit. armored cavalry. Yeah. And we rolled, and we really rolled. Yeah. But was it a was it a, was it a task force or just convenience of linking just, up together? Just we just rolled until we got some opposition, and then we would stop and take care of it, and then keep going. And now, did you uh, were they a uh, a support unit firing as you maneuvered on the ground, or how did you work both. together? Both combination of both. Combination yeah. of both. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't. It worked I, out beautifully. Yeah, There's a lot of talk about this. You know, it's hard to say. You know, light mean a mobile? Should you have some of that kind of mobility? I don't know if uh, I know Ralph Puckett is still with us. I don't. Ralph, did you have any dealings with any armored units in Korea? We did. In fact, since our company had no transportation, no mess hall, no nothing, we were attached <laughs> to the 20, We were attached to the 25th Reconnaissance Company and worked with them initially for about the first six or eight weeks. And it was a great relationship. We got along well at the command level and throughout the ranks. We worked with them very well. The last operation on which I was uh, in involved, the one on which I was wounded, we were part of Task Force Dalton, which was the 89th Tank Battalion, reinforced by a couple of rifle companies, a ranger company, an engineer platoon, artillery battalion, a signal unit. You know, uh, and, and you know, gosh, I gotta be careful if I, I don't know what, how General Downing feels about this, but just to say informally, General Downing and I were talking one day in Saudi Arabia, and uh, you know, he said, uh, Dave, if I had an armored cavalry regiment, <laughs> I think it was something like this that uh, Western Iraq would be ours. <laughs> Is that closer? Yeah, Dave, that's exactly right. <laughs> and, uh, no, in fact, I would have settled. I would have settled for a squadron. <laughs> but, uh, but Dave, on the Rangers and mounted, I mean, I think it's a Met T decision. If they got to be mounted to, 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 to do the mission, then we should uh, then we then we should mount them. When I was a regimental commander, we developed a couple of contingency plans. At that time, this is, you know, 84, 85, uh, the fast attack vehicles were, were getting a lot of uh, play. And so we developed a concept of how many it would take and, and could we go ahead and, say, mount one battalion. I think we were going to do the, uh, the second battalion out at uh, Fort Lewis because they had Yakima to, 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 to go to to test the concept. But... I'll tell you, if you get into a war where you need that mobility, I think the Rangers could do it and do it very, very quickly. I, I was just like to say, you know, with a Ranger battalion, I could have converted a Ranger battalion to an armor battalion with about probably 60 days of good training. And that's because of the soldier you have. 
and the NCO. That's right. I mean, you just had great leaders, and that's why you can they do can that. They can do anything. And when you they pull people from the whole Army into a Ranger unit, which the Rangers has the privilege to do, you get talent from heavy units, light units, all kinds of units. Another piece of mobility, you know, Darby, uh, I believe, used carts to pull some stuff around, like mortars and ammunition in World War II. I think uh, Rangers jumped in, because General Downey knows this, some gun jeeps into uh, Panama. Um, there's been some other uh, mobility things that were used depending on Met T. You know, that's the, you know, the, the, the mission, the, the, the enemy, the troops available at the time, et cetera. It's, it's just the analysis of the situation and you decide if you're going to use them or not. Uh, but let's talk about the mobility of Phil Piazza. Phil, are you with us? Right, I still am, Dave. Yeah, what did, what, yeah what, and you had, uh, you had some great mobility. Well, oh, you yes, had I mules, did. right? <laughs> As you know, I commanded the heavy weapons, and I yeah. had horses and mules. <laughs> 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 Obviously, with the terrain as it was in the Himalaya Mountains and down in the Hukong Valley, we couldn't have uh, transport. Right. But well, you the, were putting a road in, right? Yes, right. Yeah. He did very well, though, the horses and mules. Yeah, and, but in that environment, now let's talk about the jungle environment. Uh, did, in fact, uh, the mules hold up all right? Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, you know, anybody that's an old farmer that knows the mule, during the monsoon season, if a mule got bog, bogged down, he wouldn't knock himself out to pull himself out. Of he waited till you pull him out. My horses, if you got a horse that bogged down, he, his heart would actually give give up because he would fight to free himself not a, a mule he was too smart <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously you know we didn't have any heavy real heavy weapons except when we were trapped on a hill for two weeks in the Punga and they dropped us two 75 millimeter park uh howitzers yeah right. yeah now your heavy weapons unit though what what did you have 81 millimeter mortars were the largest, 60s, we had heavy machine guns, light machine guns, and bazookas. Right. 60 millimeter mortars and 81, so yeah. that was our heaviest because we had to manhandle everything, obviously, and as you know from our record, we, uh, we fought 35 battles. Right. Yeah. You know, all the units I mentioned tonight, uh, maybe General Downing have to help me out here a little bit, but I think, I'm just trying to think, I think everybody received... Uh, presidential unit citation. I'm trying to think of the six Ranger battalions. I think in the POW, Cabo Baton, the, the, uh, didn't the sixth battalion, I, I can't remember yeah, if they, they got one or not. Yeah, that was they, they uh, Colonel Mewson's outfit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they did. Yeah. They did. So I think all, all six battalions received uh, a presidential unit citation. Merrill's Marauders. Um, the, uh, the combat record of the Rangers is phenomenal. If you look at the regimental flag in the regimental headquarters of Fort Benning. The uh, battle streamers on that are unbelievable. It's uh, something to truly be proud about, the history of, uh, of, the, American, uh, of the American Rangers. Now today, today of course the Rangers, uh, and really uh, most of us start in Vietnam, all of our work, you know, we were always put in by, by, uh, by helicopter. Um, uh, and then, that, but today it's a lot of uh, parachute operations. Of course, they had the one in Afghanistan already. Um, now, Ralph's unit, Ralph, did you did your guys because you you worked out of Japan and came over? Did you uh, do parachute training or not? I don't recall if Eighth Company did. My and that's the Eighth Army, or Ranger Company, not the Eighth Company. Right, right. I'm sorry. The, that's all right. We were not airborne. I was airborne. The other two officers were airborne. We had three or four enlisted men who were airborne, but the company not an airborne company. Our soldiers, for the most part, came from service units in Japan, quartermaster, engineer, signal, ordnance, AG. The infantry divisions were so short, qualified infantrymen, we were not allowed to take any volunteers from the divisions. We had to use service troops. Right, and then you, uh, you pretty much worked the training out for your people, didn't you? We did. Uh, we were activated on the 25th of August, 1950, which was exactly two months after the war started. And within a week, we were in Korea. We were there September the 2nd, and we trained in Korea within, inside the Pusan perimeter for six weeks before we were committed. Now, uh, Ralph, the other Ranger companies, other RECA companies, Ranger Infantry companies, airborne, um, what was the, most of them were airborne qualified? 
they were all airborne companies. They were RICA. All RICA was airborne. Yeah. Now, did you ever uh, bump into the other companies in your operations and career, or were you pretty much segregated? Uh, I never did. In fact, uh, no Ranger company had arrived in Korea and was in committed by the time I was wounded and evacuated. I was wounded on the 25th and 26th of November, and the first Ranger companies from Benning got there about the first part of December. Yeah. Yeah. Now, right now, uh, there's a lot of... I'm going to talk to Robert Wages. He's still with us, I believe. Bob, are you there, sir? I'm still here. Okay. Um, in the mountain camp, uh, isn't there something coming up soon this year, a reunion? or? There is. April 5th, we're going to be dedicating the original site of Ranger training where Colonel Puckett was the first commander to be out at Pine Valley, Sparta North Georgia College. And Colonel Puckett, I, I guess you knew that. I, I knew that there was going to be something coming up soon, yes. Now, Pine Valley uh, is right down uh, the, um, oh, I should know this, I went to, that's where we trained, uh, North Georgia. What? What's the creek there, Bob? Etowah River. Yeah. It's the Etowah River, yeah. Etowah River, and that's where the first camp was located. Yes. And um, what are they going to do there? What's What's the ceremony going to be? Well, we're going to have a dedication, several guest speakers, and the college drill team will be there, and we're going to put a nice monument up. And dedicate a real nice road sign for that original camp. So it's going to be a big deal. Yeah. You know, the uh, what's really what's really powerful about the, the Rangers, actually a lot of military organizations, I know I feel the same way about the Big Red One and others as well, but uh, we're talking about Rangers tonight, and what's really powerful about it is that the a lot of the veterans are involved with the, the current units uh, doing things with the, with the troopers. And... Uh, when the new rangers come into a unit and they get a chance to, uh, when they do have a, uh, a unit function, whether it be a barbecue or military stakes uh, competition or a run or something, a lot of the old veterans uh, join up and share stories. And, and it really, again, it, 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 it brings to life the legacy that they represent. And it's very powerful and very important uh, to the new soldiers. And uh, I can just I can tell you right now the people that are on the show tonight, uh, General Downing and Colonel Puckett and Ranger of Wages and and Phil Piazza, all of them, and the ones before are, are at Ranger things all the time. Whether they're giving a, a talk at a dinner or just visiting uh, uh, Ranger camp, whatever the case may be, and it's very powerful and, and they all they all appreciate it. Um, you know tonight, uh, Ralph. Uh, Garnson, the company commander, Charlie Company, 2nd Battalion. Uh, I don't know if, uh, General Downing, if you know him, but because you commanded the 2nd Battalion at Lewis, uh, Ralph, you know, was the Company C commander. And there's a great article that was written by uh, Nick Nicholson. Uh, you know him. He was one of my company commanders in 2nd Bat when I was a Ranger Regimental commander. And he wrote, uh, as a major, Major Nicholson wrote the story about Company C at Omaha Beach on 6 June 1944. But, sir, I don't know, did you know Ralph in our, in our studio here tonight, Gorenson? Ralph, I thought we met uh, several times before some of the reunions, did we not? We might have at some of the reunions, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he, he brought in a book of some tremendous pictures of, uh, of, of his unit. Um, also, a small book on uh, Roughing It with Charlie. It's about Charlie Company, the 2nd Ranger Battalion, and it talks about uh, the, the operation from... That was printed in Czechoslovakia before we went home. <laughs> before you went home. But it covers uh, the whole your whole European campaign, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yes. It's a great little uh, museum-type uh, pocket book that was put together uh, for the, for the uh, Rangers of, uh, of Charlie Company. A great, uh, a great treasure, obviously to have. Um, now, there's uh, there was someone else that had a question. Kenny, was there? Well, there's uh, talking about the different kinds of vehicles that the Rangers have used throughout the periods, and it's it's gone all over the uh, the spectrum here. Yeah, it's yeah. They're talking about dune buggies now. Yeah, I don't want to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if uh, uh, General Downing had seen this little book that was printed in Czechoslovakia for the, the Ranger Company. No, I've not seen it, and I would love to see it. I, 
I, I've seen several things that have been printed here in the last uh, couple of years that were probably uh, had never seen the light of day for 30 or 40 years. But it, it should be good to get that posted on a website or something so that we could read it. I, I'd love to see it personally. Well, it's about a four inch by four inch square little booklet. I mean, literally a pocket booklet. Uh, about uh, what 60 pages or so uh, Ralph and uh, it even has a little colored map right in the uh, uh, middle of it uh, at the staple port where it uh, takes you right across Europe and the, it's the produced and printed in Czechoslovakia in Czech the last place you guys landed right <laughs> no that's where we ended up in the war yeah. <laughs> that's right that's a great thing to do Ralph I'm sure that uh, those rangers just love getting that and having it today yeah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll look into that. Uh, see if we could find somebody who would like to uh, help put that book together on a um, uh, a quick website so everybody can see it. Just one last thing I'd like to mention before we close out, since we're running a little late, and uh, we had uh, Colonel Bud uh, Day with us a little short while ago. A uh, great guy who you know is fighting for a lot of veterans today, and it turns out there's going to be a rally on February 12th on the court on the steps of the Supreme Court. Um, the uh, Colonel Bud's gone all the way. He's really put it together. There's already a couple thousand veterans that are now getting together to make sure this happens. If there's any other veterans or supporters that would like to be there, this is to help uh, keep the benefits uh, for the um, 65 and older vets that are out there where a lot of benefits have been taken away. I want to thank, of course, uh, the gentleman that I've had the opportunity to talk with over the last week on the phone, uh, Phil Piazza, Robert Wages, Ralph Puckett, Wayne Downing, Jim Grimshaw, and then I got to have dinner with uh, Sally and Jim Dunn over at uh, Ralph Gorenson's house. It was a, a truly good time. Thank you, General Dave, for being with us once again and making this The Ranger Show. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you, and, and thanks to all the guests, and we appreciate it, and uh, in closing, Rangers lead the way. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap. Great to put this program up for you tonight. Quite a lot of background, spirited discussion, legendary people talking about legendary exploits. Again, Veterans Radio Hour 2.0 would like to wish you the best for the holidays. Good night. Ranger Doug out. Thank you for listening to Veterans Radio Hour. Veterans Broadcast Network, bringing you shows like Veterans Radio Hour. Wounded but not broken. End roll call. Listen each week as General Grange and his guests address issues faced by veterans throughout their lives.